0: The Geotechnical Engineering Podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network, which can be found at cement.media. That's cement, C-E-M-E-N-T dot media. Hello, and welcome to the Geotechnical Engineering Podcast. In this episode of the Geotechnical Engineering Podcast, I'll be talking with David Harmonis, P.E branch manager at Hillis Carnes Engineering Associates Incorporated about transitioning from design engineer to managing a group of people. I'm your host, Jared Green, and this is the Geotechnical Engineering Podcast, a podcast focused on helping geotechnical engineers stay up to date with technical trends in the field. Before we get started here, this is indeed a free show, and our sponsors help us to keep it. And now I'd like to recognize our sponsor for today. Menard USA. Menard USA is a specialty ground improvement contractor that works nationally, providing design build ground improvement solutions at sites of problematic soils. Menard works closely with civil, structural, and geotechnical engineers to minimize foundation costs for wide ranges of soil conditions, structure types, and loading conditions. To learn more about Menard Group USA or for help on your next project, please visit www monardgroupusa.com. That's www.menardgroupusa.com. And with that, let's jump right into today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Jet Technical Engineering Podcast. David, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, Jared. It's good to meet you. Good to be here. So we
0: already gave your bio, so folks have heard a little bit more about you. But in your own words, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what is it that you do on a daily basis?
1: I'm the uh, branch manager of the Philadelphia branch for Hellas Carnes. And uh, we're a uh, you know, straight geotech firm. We do uh, uh, geotechnical investigations and subsurface exploration. We do construction uh, inspection and materials testing. And uh, we've got a great uh, soils and concrete lab here uh, in-house as well. I manage about uh, 22 people, I think, as of last week. We've got some new hires on the way. So we're growing. It's great.
0: And then you transitioned from being a design engineer to actually managing a group of people. What was that transition like? And what happened that allowed you to do that? And how's it been?
1: It's been a, a slow kind of gradual thing. Uh, you know, it probably started when I, uh, you know, passed my PE over 20 years ago and uh, was taking on projects, you know, as my own and, you know, maybe leading, you know, a tech or two or a couple field people. And, uh, you know, as I gained experience that I'd start bringing other EITs under my wing, and you know, training them and teaching them different parts of the job: how to do test borings, how to do settlement analysis, how to do slope stability. And uh, you know, I've worked, moved around a little bit through my career, not too much, but different companies. I, I ran a, a smaller geotech uh, division out of a, a larger company for a few years, and I think at that point I had about maybe eight people under me. And um, same thing, just kind of slow steps, progressing through and, and building teams. I actually owned my own company for a few years. Now I'm uh, with Hillis Carnes, and we've got a great team here. It's really, in you know 25 years or 26 years of uh, engineering profession, this is the best team I've ever led. They're really a great group of people that work here.
0: You know, as you continue to climb the ladder, do you get any leadership training, or is this on-the-job training, learning how to manage and lead people?
1: For the most part, it's been on-the-job, learn-as-you-go. I did take the uh, engineering management schools course this spring, and it was really helpful. It really helped kind of think a little bit differently about how I lead and about what I'm doing. I'm a constant learner. I love learning. And so I listen to a lot of podcasts and I'm always kind of picking up pieces from, uh, you know, different things here and there. So uh, Masters of Scale is a podcast I listen to. It's a great podcast for business leadership. How I built this is another one too, and I listen to a lot. So things I pick up on my own, and some things are more formal.
0: We're always learning, and that's what keeps what we do
1: interesting. If we feel
0: like we're not learning, we need to push ourselves a little bit,
1: right? Absolutely.
0: I talk to a lot of engineering professionals that you know, they say to struggle with managing people. A lot of times, engineers, we learn the, the textbook work, right? The formulas and things of that sort. But if we don't get taught people's skills in school, How do you improve these important skills? Anything that you can contribute to that?
1: As I've gone through the career, I've really, you know, I've been worked for a few different companies. I've worked for a lot of different leaders and I'm always kind of observing how people lead me and observing how other groups work. Throughout my career, I just kind of pick pieces of things. I'm like, oh, look at that company does. or Look what that leader does. He does a great job at that. Or, you know, this person does a good job at that. Or here's a group that doesn't function well. Or here's a a leader that's, you know, maybe narcissistic and, you know, his team really resents him. So I try to adjust myself based on, you know, notes that I'm taking, you know, from other people and other groups along the way, try to model that in my own practice and my own leadership with my team.
0: In your opinion, what do you think makes a good branch manager?
1: Hopefully I'm a good branch manager. Uh, You know, I think I'm doing pretty good. Uh, We have a very, very low turnover rate here at, at our branch. So I think that kind of speaks to that. I really put the people first. I put my you know, technicians and my engineers that are working for me first. I really believe in a strong culture and I've been trying to build a culture of team and support and helping each other out. I start every meeting with, what were your achievements this week? And we go across the room once a week with my project management team and everyone gets a, you know, two minutes to say what great things they did that week. And we all recognize that. It helps us Show that we're all working hard and we're all working toward the same thing. I think that's helpful. I don't take credit for any of the good stuff we do. So, you know, we, we've gotten a few awards over the years or a few accolades. And uh, I always give that right back to the team. I'm like, you guys earned this. And I think that helps. I try to lead with humility. I try to use my experience as much as possible. I think that is good. Sometimes I kind of surprise myself at what I know. I'll be in a situation where someone comes to me and they have a problem and they're you know, hey, Dave, what do you think about this? And I take it slowly and I start talking and explaining things. And I'm like, wow, I, sometimes I surprise myself with what I've retained from years ago. I'm like, oh, that actually is still applicable or whatever. So
0: It's still up there and it's still relevant, right?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: A lot of what we do in engineering ties back to teamwork. And the reality is that deliverables are working on them. We can't do it unless we have a team behind us. So it's it's really important that you're appreciating folks that are working alongside you, working for you. So that's great.
1: Another thing I really push with my team and with myself is, you know, the learning thing. So again, we're students of dirt, we're students of concrete, students of geotechnical practices. It's not only important to learn those things, but it's also important to review those. I do some continuing education teaching for seminars and that kind of stuff. And review very basic concepts with non-geotechnical people, but just the repetition of going over that stuff time and time again, really enforces it in my own. And it helps me you know, with my confidence in those kind of basic things. And it's not only important to learn new things, but it's also important to review things that you think you know. And sometimes you'll going through some of that stuff and you're like, oh, wow, now I've read this spec 20 times, but this 20th time I've read it I've picked up a little something extra, or, and that helps. And when you're explaining these geotechnical
0: topics to people that don't have that background, you have to use a different way of explaining things. You might have to give different analogies and things of that sort. And that's helpful as well, because oftentimes we're producing deliverables for folks that might not be geotechs. We take for granted some of the lingo and some of the jargon. So I'm sure that's helpful as well. I figure out how to explain that.
1: One thing that's really helpful is sketching. I mean, ask anybody on my team when I'm talking to them, when I've got a piece of paper or my iPad. And I'm drawing out uh, concepts. I think uh, on my Instagram uh, this week, I posted something, uh, hashtag what's on your whiteboard. And I posted a picture of uh, you know a foundation situation that we were looking at. And so drawing those concepts and being visual and stuff really helps me. It helps me get explain those concepts to other people as well. So we're all looking at the same thing.
0: I remember as a young engineer in the field when somebody said, "You know, show me a sketch of what you see." You're so tempted to just take a picture and send the picture, but it's like you really need to be able to sketch it. What does it look like in plan? What does it look like in cross section to explain what the condition is so that we can solve the problem, right? <laughs> so that's super important.
1: I think another important thing is uh, you know, in my trunk, I always have a hard hat and a pair of steel-toe boots and a pair of muck boots. I tell my guys, "You have a problem, you call me. I'll be on site. You know, I'll jump in the trench." I have no worries about that because it really is no replacement for being there. We get a little lazy sometimes, you know, we're using Google Maps or pictures from text or whatever, but, you know, you get on site and you can really appreciate the situation a lot more. You're in the
0: trailer with the team and everybody's talking about the site condition. It's like, folks, let's just leave the trailer. Let's go take a look at it. right? Absolutely. You had to, you know, oversee many people in your career, and when you're responsible for people, one can say that it's a combination of delegation, coaching, communication, getting to know the people that you work with. But do you have any protocols that you have in place for how to know
1: the people you're working with? I don't really have anything uh, super formal. I try to get to know everybody on a personal level in some way. You know, just casual, you know, conversations. I try to call people not only when we have problems or when I need information, but I try to check in with people, you know, at least once a week, just give them a call out of the blue. Hey, how are you doing? What's going on? What are you doing today? Is there anything I can help you with just to be more present? I try to be in the office as much as possible. I, you know, even during this past year with working from home and, and all that kind of stuff, I really tried to be in the office as much as possible so people could see me and, and interact with me. You know, of course we were following whatever COVID guidelines there were, but presence is pretty huge. I, I definitely at, at points in my career I worked for leaders that were, you know, in absentia. You know, they'd jump in on the call once a week and they were always traveling or whatever. And I'm sure they were doing important meeting stuff, but they weren't there for their team. I think being there for your team is is important. We do annual reviews with all our employees and, you know, I review their progress and set goals for them and help them with that. But at the end of every review, I say, how am I doing? What are some things that I could be doing better for our team? What are some things that I could be doing better for you? You know, what are things that you need to do your job better? And uh, I think that kind of two-way review, it gives me feedback, shows them that self-reflection and that I'm there for them. And I think that's an important thing. There's a scene in that crime show where the boss, the director, is talking to all his investigators and his detectives. And one of the detectives is like, listen, can you just help us do our job better? For some reason, that scene has always stuck in my head. And I think about that as the boss. I'm like... I'm here to serve the team. And uh, I don't know, just like a silly little scene in a a TV show, but like that voice is always in my head, you know, like, how do I get my team to perform better?
0: And do people feel comfortable sharing? Because sometimes you can ask for feedback and people might, I don't want to share this with the boss, but do you get things back anonymously or people feel comfortable sharing with you?
1: I think so. I mean, uh, maybe not. I try to uh, keep the rumor mill. I, you know, I have a few. I call them my shop stewards. You know, they're the guys that are talking to everybody. You know, kind of. They're not the boss, so they hear a little more different. They come to me and they say, "Hey, you know, everyone's saying that you know this is going on. Like, what do you think about this?" I'm like, "Wow, I didn't even know about this. Thanks for coming to me. And uh, let's see what we can do to you know improve that situation, whatever it is." So it's good to have some you know people that you trust and people that you know that. Other people trust too. So it kind of works with Liz.
0: For the younger listeners that are on, it's just important for them to know that feedback is important. If you want something to improve, you have to say something because a lot of times, you know, those folks are climbing the ladder, they don't get that feedback. So that's really important. All right, cool. So before our break, what would you say is your last piece of advice that you would give to geotechs listening that are planning to have a transition towards management in the future? What's some advice that you'd share with them?
1: Definitely observe and listen and take notes to, you know, things you see like I've done as well. Communication, I think, is super key. A couple of years ago, I was, I was at a swim meet with my kids and uh, another parent came up to me and they knew her, I was an engineer and they said, hey, my daughter is going into engineering school. What's some good advice for her? What classes should she take? I thought about it for a minute and I said, you know what? You got to learn how to write. You got to learn how to speak. I said, the technical stuff is easy. The math and the science, it's easy. That's what you love. It's easy to do that kind of stuff. But, you know, if you can't communicate well, both written and orally, you can have the best design in the world. And if no one knows it, what good is it? So I think communications key. And also open, honest communication. When things are great, it's easy to communicate the good news, but you have to you know, learn how to give the bad news too. And it's timely. Every once in a while, we have a project that might go a little, you know, sideways and, uh, you know, I call our COO right away and I say, hey, here's the situation. I just want you to know about this before you hear about it from somebody else. This is what I'm thinking. This is the way I think we can solve it or approach it. What are your thoughts on it? We kind of kick ideas back and forth and um, open, honest communication is 100% necessary.
0: I had a client once, he used to always say that, just give me the bad news first. Like if there's something that's going on, let's just rip the bandaid off, address it because when you're under in a rug and say, oh, I don't want to bring it up, it just gets worse and worse. So definitely can echo that.
1: Sometimes we try to hide behind email or whatever, and. Pick up the phone, right? <laughs> Pick up the phone. Let's have a conversation. Let's go out to the site. Let's talk. Let's walk around and let's you know, really you know, hammer things out. And it, it does two things. It helps you solve the problem faster. You're going through less iterations, but then you also build trust with that person. You know, when you're shaking hands and walking around together, you start to trust each other and you realize that, hey, we're all people here. And we're all trying to work together and make this project successful.
0: We're going to pause here for a minute. We'll close this one out with David in our Career Factor Safety End Segment. Stick around. All right, welcome back. It's time for our Career Factor Safety End Segment. In geotechnical engineering, just like many disciplines of engineering, it's important to incorporate a factor of safety into your design. But what about incorporating, let's say, a factor of safety into your career? Today, of course, we're speaking with David Harmonis. David, you've already had a very successful career. You know, when you look back at your career, what's one thing that you implemented in your career to give yourself, let's call it, a factor of safety?
1: Great question, Jared. Uh, in my career, I think one factor of safety that I've used is innovation. I'm always looking at, you know, new technologies that are coming out and new tools and trying to find ways of implementing those into my practice. So sometimes we're using these new tools to, you know, look at data better or to streamline our processes or communicate better amongst our team and, you know, sometimes they work great and sometimes we try something and it doesn't work, but I think, you know, not being afraid to innovate and trying to, you know, improve the processes is something that has helped me along my career.
0: David, thank you so much for coming on. And thank you for sharing all the great insights that you did. You shared a lot of information and, and advice. I know it's going to be helpful for our listeners. And if hey, listener wanted to reach out and find you. What's the best way to find you?
1: My email address is dharmonis at hcea.com. Our website for Hillis Carnes is hcea.com. Uh, so you can look us up on the Philadelphia branch. And then uh, I actually have an Instagram that's uh, Geotech. It's uh, Philly underscore Geotech. So at Philly underscore Geotech. And you can see, uh, you know, what I'm up to as far as geotechnical engineering in the Philadelphia area. Well, thank you so much. That was awesome. Yeah, it was really fun. It was really uh, nice talking to you, Jared.
0: I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. Please feel free to go to geotechnicalengineeringpodcast.com where you'll find a summary. Are the key points discussed in today's episode, that being episode 29, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. Until next time, we wish you the very best in all your geotechnical engineering endeavors. Peace. The Geotechnical Engineering Podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network. The opinions on the show are those of the hosts and guests, not their employers. For information on EMI's people and project management skills training programs for civil engineers, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.